You're listening to Tiger's Eye, Episode 6. We sit inside the chamber, within the head of the great lion. This is the Silent One's home. Now, finally, through the immense apertures that represent its eyes, I am able to survey the crimson forest jungle for miles around. Miguel sits in the right eye and chomps on a haunch of ibex. I was cautious at first, but he signed at me that it almost certainly would not make him sick. In fact, he kept pointing at the beast as it roasted over the fire, and saying a word repeatedly in his language, which confirmed a familiarity. I find myself surrendering my fears about the Silent One. She has had ample opportunity to kill the both of us, and has not acted upon it. My mind and body at rest at last. I sleep. Awaking in the late afternoon to find Miguel exploring the room. Just don't break anything. She points at Miguel, wags her pad again, indicating no, then snaps an imaginary twig. He nods gravely in response and performs a curious, fluttering motion with his own pads, which seems to satisfy her. The silent one sits placidly, mending the torn seam of one of her robes while I join Miguel in exploration. Her room is comfortable and filled with fascinating relics. There are shelves lined with small statues and bright, precious stones. The walls are painted with vivid landscapes, less detailed than the ones on the ceiling in the main hall, but with a delicacy in conveying light and shade that makes me feel like I am surveying real places through a dreamy haze. The arrangements are too uneven for this to be a part of the original decoration. She created these herself. Then there are the stacked rolls of animal hide with intricate hieroglyphics printed across them. I unfurl one and run my gaze over the impenetrable symbols. My curiosity burning, I offer it to her to read to me, but she swiftly declines. Oh, you wouldn't understand those. I've spent an age rooting them out of every catacomb and crevice in the city of Isis. The fact is, I can barely comprehend them myself. Doesn't mean they're not worth keeping. She does, however, permit me to pour through the rest of them, and closer to the bottom of the stack, I uncover pictures. Miguel looks at them, too, with interest, until we come to one that ruffles him. It depicts a cat with black eyes, his paws outstretched, flanked on both sides by many more cats bearing spears standing before a flaming doorway. It is ovular in shape, and lightning is emerging, along with two figures. Haka's words come back to me as I study their straight legs, round heads, and strange weapons. 
The silent one cranes her head to see what we are looking at, and then sniffs. I suppose there is a resemblance. Hard to imagine anyone making such a fuss over something as small as him, though. Didn't tie them together myself. Miguel, however, clearly does. I look at him as he gravely points to the figures, then to himself. I point at the oval and give the question sign. He responds immediately and emphatically, signing for door again. I stare at him. Slowly, he signs for waterfall, then indicates the top, then points to the oval again. I had thought he meant home. I do not know what to say, what this means, how to act. I do not look at him. Instead, I search further through the rolled pictures to find something similar or linked so that we can better understand this. When I eventually turn back empty-pawed, he is wide-eyed and shrinking. Fear radiates from him. He turns his face away. I gingerly extend a paw and tap him on the head. Just as slowly, he looks back at me. I do not know how best to express this next. I sign for door, then tap the oval. Then, thinking on my paws, I cross the doorway leading back to the hall, step through, turn around, and make the question sign. What is on the other side? He looks just as confounded, but brightens up when he spots a small stick of charcoal and an unused roll of animal hide. He turns to the silent one and holds them up. She nods in response. Go ahead, cub. I'm curious about this one, too. Miguel busies himself for some time, until eventually he presents us with his explanation. On one side of the hide, he has drawn crude cat faces balanced upon stick figures holding spears. On the opposite side, shorter figures with round heads. In between them, he has drawn an oval. A thick, vertical line bisects the sheet, passing through the oval and clearly delineating a strong divide. He swiftly points at me, then the cats, himself, then the others, and with one deft movement traces a line from the right side to the left through the oval. Then, just to make things abundantly clear, he draws a round-headed stick figure, now with the cats, points to himself, and then lays down the charcoal stick proudly. A world outside Rama. He picks up the charcoal again and draws an additional cat very close to him. It has two short spears. (laughs) Do you mind if I keep the picture? A little reminder of this one. Miguel sees her gesture to his picture, and herself, and gives her an enthusiastic thumbs up. I turn to the shaman and sign. I point to her, then perform fire talker, then question, before pointing to the ancient picture and Miguel's new one. What shaman pictures? You need to be clearer. That's just gibberish. I growl at myself, then point at the hearth where her fire is burning. Then I sway my body back and forth, mining as best as I can the physical reaction to a deep, transcendental experience. Oh, you want my insight. 
Not sure how much help I can give here. Let me see what the spirits are saying. She reaches into a bowl and flings some familiar green powder on the fire. It flares up and she sits, breathing in the smoke. The room starts to drift as Miguel and I in this enclosed space approach an unexpected communion with the spirit worlds ourselves. Time starts to drift. We have been here forever. We shall come back again. The silent one's eyes have gone white. She nods several times, rocking back and forth, and then gasps, flinging up her paws to protect herself. (gasps) What? The shaman stares at Miguel, and then me. An expression of pity begins to cross her face. Then she stands and grabs my armor, laying it before me. You should be on your way. You need to hurry. Carry on with your plan. It was a good one. Get him back to his home. Off you go, Mrs. Pointy. Time is short. Containing my alarm, I sign for seeing tomorrow and question. It's what's happening today. That concerns me. I've never seen tomorrow as set in stone, but I have a fairly good idea of what might happen. You are being hunted. A chill runs through me, and I fight to shake off the woozy feeling of the green smoke. I suddenly need all my senses at their best. You know who this is. I nod. Not only do I know who it is, I know why. I signed for question, and then, without a firm grasp on what could signify where, I wave my paws, pads up in front of me. He's waiting outside the city for you. I point directly out of the lion's eye, and she nods. I turn and point in the opposite direction, and then gesture to Miguel and myself, then sign for walking. Of course you can, but he will have the same knowledge I do, and he's going to follow you relentlessly. He has barely rested since leaving your village. I cross to the immense eyes and gaze out into the jungle. I know how much power this cat possesses, how determined he will be to achieve his goal. With this warning from the Silent One, my worst fears are confirmed as I realize I have been naive and idealistic. Worse still, I appear to have set my goal against the will of the spirits. Haka absolutely will not stop, ever, until Miguel is dead.
speed is now of less importance than stealth. I must conserve all my energy to escape if we are discovered. As we steal through the quiet glades of the city, I extend my hearing behind me as far as it will go. Our best hope of a head start, now that I have unknowingly allowed our pursuer to catch up with us, is to be gone before he realizes and prolong that period as much as I can. I have seen Haka fight before. He has a ferocity about him that I must not forget. Yesterday, Haka stands beside me, flanked by the warriors and strongest hunters as we prepare to engage the Zira tribe of leopards. He joins the attack with fire in his eyes, coordinating and inspiring the fighters around him. The leopards are fast, savage. Their every move carries with it razor-sharp fluidity. They meet us in the air above the forest floor, and time moves slowly. Warriors on both sides die. My friend Makra takes a spear to the chest, and I narrowly avoid the same fate, closing in on his killer with my responding action. Then Haka spies the leopard shaman. He is snarling an incantation and shaking the effigy of a tiger with a tooth embedded in its heart. With frightening speed, the two clash as Haka brings his bladed club down upon the enemy's skull. The resolve of the rest breaks as their leader's body lies broken. They flee. We account for our dead. Haka prays for the soul of everyone on this battlefield. I say my goodbyes to Makra especially, and bid him go with the father of passing. A number of us still stand who most likely would not if Haka had not acted with such deadly resolve. This level of lethal determinism is not something I believe can be stopped without great sacrifice. The momentum with which he carries himself requires equal or greater force to meet it. Thus, our best chance remains in eluding him. If I can return Miguel to this doorway above the waterfall, if I can remove him from Rama herself, Haka may see the spirits as satisfied. Otherwise, I believe I will have to kill him. At which point, I am not sure I will be able to return home to my family. They have already lost Shaman in recent yesterdays. They cannot be without inspiration. If it comes to that, perhaps it is better that Haka kills us both. We reach the western walls of the city after winding through on foot. I thank the elements I wore my hunting armor. Far fewer parts to jingle and draw attention to ourselves. I have been forced to wind through at ground level, as bounding over the rooftops would absolutely pinpoint us to the observant. We exit west, and I am second-guessing our pursuer. He could well still be waiting for us to the south, where we entered, or the east, which is also accessible along trails from Durga Village. Alternately, he could have anticipated our journey north and be waiting for us there. West is really the least unsafe of choices, which naturally makes me all the more nervous. As we re-enter the jungle, I recall 
with bone-chilling horror. One of Hakka's abilities. It is yesterday, and I watch him sitting calm and cross-pawed. A long time elapses, and I feel him lighten somewhat. Then a hornbill flies down from the trees and lands upon my shoulder. I give a start. I have never seen a bird so bold before. Then I look into its face and see Hakka's eyes, golden, familiar, and proud. It is today. I stare out into the forest, teeming with life. Ten thousand birds, beasts, creatures of every description. So many of them absolutely deadly. I take a long breath, square my jaw, and set forth, springing silently through the trees, afraid to look behind me. You have been listening to Tiger's Eye, written, edited, and produced by Alex Shaw with a full cast. Rao, performed by Maureen Foley. The Silent One, performed by Sharon Shaw. Miguel, performed by Alex Shaw. Presenter, Ian Hopwood. The main theme is Agent in Shanghai by 1M1 Music, courtesy of Shockwave Sounds. You also heard Himalayan Atmosphere, Stormfront, and Whimsy Groove by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Our special sponsors this month were Nick Grugan, Joel Robinson, Russell Osborne, Maureen Foley, Ben Hayes, Stefan Gardinia, Kieran Datchler, Lorraine Chisham, Livio de la Cruz, Scott Corzine, and Erish Traverse. And to everyone else who has been supporting us on the Patreon, a big thank you. Come over to the Digital Drifts forum to discuss these shows with the fanbase, or you can simply post messages here on the Patreon feed. If you're unable to support New Century with your dollars, there are of course other ways you can help it grow. A quick four or five star review on iTunes and some kind words can help this show gain visibility and get it into ears of new listeners.